Nothing describes the soul of this church better than that video clip. That is really, really who we are. It's what we're about. We're about grace. But God's unconditional love, God's infinite unconditional love. And this morning, my prayer is that when you leave here, you will have a brand new understanding and a brand new appreciation for just how much God really, really loves you and cares about you. Some of you here today are feeling uh, low because you feel like you failed, you messed up, you've fallen short, you've made promises to God and you never kept it up, you've broken commandments, you've broken rules, you've, frankly, you just feel like you failed God and that it's, it's all pretty hopeless. Today, uh, my prayer is that you'll receive brand new hope that you'll have a brand new lease on life, that you will recognize that you are not alone, that there's somebody who truly loves you and cares you, not because you're doing it all right and you're getting it all right and you're, you're perfect, but just because you're simply loved. That is the message of Christianity. It's a message of grace. Now, here's the thing. Um, I found that so many people say, you know, I'd come to church, but I got to clean myself up first. I got to quit smoking first. Um, I've got to quit drinking first. I got to get rid of my addictions first. I got to, I got to start, stop doing the things that I shouldn't do. Can I just say this to you? Nobody needs to stop doing anything to come to church. Our prayer is that when you come here and you come face to face with a loving God, that you'll come to the place where you just want to walk away from all those things that are harmful to you. So what a lot of people don't know about the Ten Commandments is that the Ten Commandments are not just to make God feel better. The Ten Commandments have been given so that our lives would be better. That's what a lot of people don't know. And so they have this wrong idea. They think that when they come here, they're going to feel uh, shame and guilt and that people are going to judge them. At Cross Church, we don't judge anybody. Nobody is condemned here. Do you understand that today? Nobody's condemned here. Here's a place. Here, we are a collection of people who are desperately in need of God's grace. We're a collection of people who understand and know that if it were not for God's love and his grace, we wouldn't have a chance. Because the fact of the matter is, is that nobody here is able to keep all the laws, all the rules, all the commandments, all the time. It's impossible. So um, just out of the corner of your eye, look at that person beside you, and I'm going to tell you they're a sinner. Do you see that? They don't make it obvious because they might get offended. But Yeah, the fact is we're all, we're all in the same boat, okay? We all need God's grace. The problem with so many of us is that we, we forget that. And we forget that God is a loving God. We forget that, that God is a God that's full of grace. And so here's what happens. And I know human nature because I'm a human, surprise. Here's what I know. I know that if I mess up, my tendency then is to stay messed up. If I, if I get off my diet, I tend to stay off my diet. If I fall off the wagon, I tend to stay off the wagon. If I get kicked off the horse, I tend to kick back. No, I, t- I, I tend to, you don't want to get back on. You don't want that to happen again. You don't like the feeling, and so you just think, oh, you know, I can't do it. I can't measure up. I can't, I can't meet the standard. I can't, I can't be this person that God wants me to be. 
Okay, so here's what I, I got to tell you today. I got to I got to talk to you about this loving God that we have. And here's here's what I want to tell you, to, just to sort of set the stage for what I want to share. I am a father of three children, and I have come to understand and know who God is better than I've ever known him based on my experience as a father. And I can tell you that I, as a father, love my kids no matter what. There's nothing that my kids could do that would make me stop loving them. There's nothing that my kids could do that would stop me from embracing them and caring for them. They could say whatever they want. They could do whatever they want. But uh, even if it's against all of our, all my principles, even if it's against all my values, and I'm going to love them anyway, there's nothing that they can do to walk outside of my love. Now, they may walk away from me and feel distant from me, but I can tell you that my love for them will never change. Well, guess what? If I love my kids that much, how much more does my Father in heaven love me and care for me? Infinitely more. So I, could, I know this, that if I love my kids as much as I do, then my Father in heaven must really, really love me beyond anything that I can comprehend. Well, we'll talk about that more in just a moment. But let's just stop and consider what it means to be a father of children. My, little, my kids, I, I was there. I helped them learn how to walk. And uh, when they're, you know, you, you sort of, I'm going to give you a lesson on how to make kids walk. You put, what you do is you, you lean them up against the wall, prop them up there, right? And then you offer them money. <laughs> <laughs> then you stick out your arm, you put out your arms to them, say, come, come to daddy, come to papa. Talk kind of silly and stupid, but they get it somehow. Come, come to Papa, and then they walk towards you. Now, I'm going to tell you that none of my kids got on the first try. Uh, Jesse, we tried to get him walking in Greece on the terrazzo floor, very slippery. He tried once, he fell, and he was not, I'm not doing that again. And then we got him onto some carpet, and then he just started walking like that without even any help. It was pretty amazing. But I can tell you this. When Jesse fell, and when Nicholas fell, and when Sarah fell, I didn't say, you stupid kids, don't you know how to walk? What, what kind of children of mine don't know how to walk? Don't ever walk again. Crawl, you dummy. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you belong on your belly. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> what am I doing? I, I run over them and help them get back on their feet. Let's do it again. Let's try again. And before long, they're, they're, they're walk, not just walking. They're running all over the place and pulling the house apart. And then you wish that they didn't crawl, or that they didn't walk. <laughs> you wish that they were crawling. But this, this is what a father does. what a mother does. You love your children, and no matter how often they fall, no matter how often they fail a test, no matter how often they get it wrong, you never stop loving them. You need to understand that if you're going to understand who God is. So here's, here's, what, here's what we read in the Scripture. Let's take a look at this verse uh, found in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 46. And since I can't read that, I'll read this with you. So let's all read it together. Ready? Cross church choir. Here we go. Ready? One, Two, three. But God's mercy is great, and he loved us very much. Though we were spiritually dead because of the things we did against God, he gave us new life with Christ. You have been saved by God's grace, and he raised us up with Christ and gave us a seat with him in the heavens. He did this for those in Christ Jesus. So here's what you need to understand today, that the very basis, the very core of our faith 
is this gracious relationship between father and child. In fact, here's what I need you to know, is I need you to know and to understand who God is. If we're going to understand the scripture, if we're going to be able to properly interpret and understand what this book is about, then what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to understand and start with God. This is what I tell our interns, our Bible college students who are here working. I say, look at when you do your theologizing, when you try to interpret scripture, when you try to interpret what's happening in your life, you never begin with your experience. You never begin even with your own understanding. What you have to do is you have to begin with God. In the beginning, God. It begins with God. You need to see and understand and you need to interpret through, the under, through your understanding of who God is. Now, the, here's what I know, and, and that's this, that this book is all about God revealing himself to human beings so that you understand who God is and you understand how much God loves you. That's why you need to read this book because it's in this book and through this book that God reveals himself. If you don't read this book, you'll never know who God is and you will find yourself having some really, really strange beliefs, some strange ideas. In fact, I know who reads your Bible and who doesn't read their Bible simply by what comes out of your mouth. I can tell whether you know who God is. I'm not judging, I'm just saying that I, I can tell. So what you need to do If you're going to understand God and understand his grace and understand your relationship to him, you're going to have to get into this book and find out who he is. Because here's, again, what I know about human nature. Remember, I'm a human. I know that for many, many people, they see God as just an angry deity in the sky who hates human beings and will do anything he can to, to play with us, to toy with us, to hurt us, uh, at whatever, whatever turns that deity on. Well, this is, this is ancient Greek mythology, the, 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 the Greek understanding of who the gods are. It's, it's utter nonsense, and we look at it, and we think, man, that's utter nonsense. But here's the thing. The, the, the human mind that has not been informed by the Scripture has some very strange ideas of who God is. Um, some people think that God is vindictive and he's kind of merciless and he hates humans and he's spiteful and he loves to punish. He's some kind of a big God in the sky, the big stick, just ready to hit you every time you get it wrong. Some of you here today, you see God that way. You're afraid of him. You don't want to go into his presence because you're, you feel shame and guilt and you think that he's going to harm you. That's not who God is. Some of us think that God must be appeased and pacified, you know, calm him down. Talk in, quiet, in a quiet voice and make him happy. Something God is unpredictable, volatile, random. You never know what he's going to do. I'm going to tell you, these are all completely, completely wrong views, wrong understanding of who God is. And the only way that you're going to get it right is by reading what he says about himself. The only way that, you, that I get to know my wife, Gloria, and the only way she gets to know me is by spending time together and by, by talking together. Really, when you read your Bible, what you're doing is you're just letting God speak to your heart and tell you who he is. So here's what I discovered in the scripture. I discovered that from Genesis to Revelation, God uses various metaphors to describe his relationship with us. For instance, and you've all maybe heard this one, um, this metaphor, it's the, the, the metaphor of the shepherd and the sheep. God sees us as his sheep, and he is what? He is our shepherd. In fact, the Bible says he's our good shepherd. 
Now, I'm not a farmer. I don't, I'm not, uh, I'm not a, a, a countryman. Um, but uh, here's what I do know from reading on the subject. I do know this. I know that a shepherd will do anything for his sheep. In fact, the, uh, a shepherd will risk his own life to protect his sheep. I know that a shepherd has a rod and a staff, the rod to keep the, the sheep in, in line and the staff to rescue the sheep if necessary. I know that sheep are stupid. No offense. Thanks, pastor. <laughs> Come to church and get insulted by the pastor. I know, that, uh, I know that the sheep need a shepherd. A sheep without a shepherd is a dead sheep. How many know that? You're dead, you're gone, or you haven't got a chance, you haven't got a hope if you're a sheep. I know that, I know this, and I don't know the way it is today, but in the days when this was written, a a shepherd would have a sheep fold or a pen, and all the sheep would be gathered into the pen, and the shepherd would actually act as a gate. He would actually, when he'd go to sleep, he would just put his body right across the entrance to the sheepfold so that nothing could get in or go out without him knowing about it. It's a beautiful picture to help us understand our relationship to the shepherd. And there's other metaphors. There's the metaphor of the, of the, um, the potter and the clay. We, are, we being the clay and God being the potter. Um, there's, the, there's the metaphor of friendship. We are friends of God. There's a metaphor of, of, um, of, a, of, a, of a couple that are in love. The, the lover and the beloved This is a picture that God paints so that we can understand his great love for us and our relationship with him. You need to get that. You need to understand that. But here's the most important one of all and the one that that everybody needs to understand. God is our father and we are his children. He wants us to understand our relationship to him, so he paints these pictures for us to help us understand what it's all about. And so I said, like I said earlier, I, I, I... I had a wonderful relationship with God before I had children, but having children has helped me understand and appreciate just how much God loves me. In fact, it's so great and it's so important that we find Jesus introducing the Father, his Father in heaven, God. We find Jesus introducing the Father, uh, introducing God to his disciples as a father. And so important is this title that when we are called to go into prayer, we pray what? The Lord's Prayer? Every time we pray the Lord's Prayer, what are we doing? We're reminding ourselves of our relationship to God. How many know the beginning of the prayer? Our Father. Stop. Before you go anywhere, God wants you to remember. Before you pray and ask for anything and ask for forgiveness and ask for provision and ask for protection, before you do anything, God wants you to remind yourself about the relationship you have with him. He is your father. He loves you. He cares for you. He will do anything for you. This is such an amazing, amazing uh, doctrine that we're actually called to stop and consider the relationship and not just consider the relationship, but to recognize the title. Hallowed be thy name. What is that name? Father. You need to get this, because this is, this is critical to understanding God and understanding your relationship to him. He loves you. He cares about you. He's your father. There's nothing that you can do that will make him stop loving you. 
He's looking out for you. He's there to protect you. And so when you go on through the rest of the prayer, it's always, it's really the foundation of your prayer. It's the basis for asking for anything. Now, my kids would never go knock on the door next door and say, "Uh, could you lend me 20 bucks? Or could I have 20 bucks? Could I use your car? They wouldn't do that to somebody else's father, but they would to me. Oh, yeah, they would. In fact, Jesse just paid me back the 225 he owed me yesterday. But that's another story. <laughs> I do that for him because why? Because I'm his father. So you need to understand that, that the basis for all of our asking, for all of our prayer, is this fantastic relationship that we have with the father. He's a loving father that cares about us. And we say, hallowed be thy name. Very important. Very important that you understand that. And if you understand it, it will absolutely revolutionize your prayer life because now you're not just praying to some deity in the sky that you don't know, that you hope that will maybe somehow pour out his blessing. You know he will because he's your father. And he's your father based on what? On your faith in Jesus Christ. Though we were spiritually dead. Which, what are we saying there? It means you're not in the family yet. That's what it's saying. Though we, were, though we were spiritually dead and not in the family yet, because of the things we did against God, uh, things changed when he gave us new life with Christ. So here's the thing. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you became part of the family, and now you're able to claim God as your father. Now you have that special relationship, and it's based on Jesus Christ and his love for us. And we read on, and he raised us up with Christ and gave us a seat with him in the heavens. He did this for those who are in Christ Jesus. He loves us. We're able to call Jesus Christ our brother based on our relationship to the Father. Critical that you understand this. Because when you understand this and you begin to understand that there's nothing that you can do that's gonna make God hate you. So that when you fail and you mess up, and you fail God, and you, you break your vows. And I mean, I, I can remember as a young Christian, you know, I make these vows, oh, God, I'll never do that again, and I'll never say that again, and I'll never be like that again. And then next thing you know, you find out, well, <laughs> I don't really have the ability to make vows because I can't keep them. But God loves me anyway, and he embraces me anyway, and he accepts me, and he forgives me anyway. This is what grace is all about. Grace is God's unconditional love given to those who really don't deserve it. Now, I, I want to just take this a little bit further because we've talked about who God is and we, we know this about him. He's a, he, he, he reveals himself as a father. So the flip side of that truth is that if he's, if he's a father and we are, we are his children, we have a relationship with him. And... Uh, and we know that God loves us, and, we care, and he cares about us. We know that, that uh, no, no matter how often you sin, no matter how often you fall short, no matter how often you break commands, he does not disown you. In fact, we read in 1 John 3, 1, see how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. But the people who b- belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. So here's what you need to know today. You are a child of God. I don't understand how God could love me. I don't understand how God could accept me because I could be a real miserable guy sometimes, once in a while. Well, hardly ever. (laughs) Well, yeah, I better ask my kids about that. (laughs) 
but God loves me, and I fail, and I fall short, and I don't do what I'm supposed to do, and I don't say the things I'm supposed to say, and sometimes I cut people off in traffic. The guy that's, that designed our logo, he said, why don't you plaster cross church all over your van? I said, it's because I don't want to turn people off our church. <laughs> And sometimes I feel so terrible. And I got that kind of personality that when I see injustice, I can't keep my mouth shut, you know? Oof. And then I'm embarrassed after. And I just say, well, sure hope they don't find out I'm a pastor of Cross Church. Look at, don't anybody sit there indignant with me because you're the same. Ah, oh, maybe not the same as me, but you're in the same position. You need God's grace as much as I do. And everybody said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know that because the Bible says there's none righteous, no, not even your neighbor. None righteous, not even your wife or your husband, even though he thinks or she thinks or they, the kids think. We're, we're all in the same boat. We all need God's grace. And so here's what I'm going to tell you. Here's what I need to tell you. It is, impo- it is impossible for you to understand Christianity outside of the doctrine of grace. So often people come to me and say, you know, you've got to convince me of Christianity. And so what they're expecting is some sort of a great, uh, a, a, an apologetic for Christianity, a great defense. And, and I'm going to give you all the reasons why and all the proofs and everything that you need to, to know that you know that you know that Christianity is real. Look at folks, I'm going to tell you, that's not how God chooses to reveal himself. He does not choose to reveal himself through, through equations and formulas, although some people do come to Christ that way. The way he chooses to reveal himself is a father. He chooses to reveal himself as, as a father who loves kids that get it wrong sometimes. And sometimes get it really, really wrong, if you know what I'm saying. This is how God chooses to reveal himself. And here's what, here's what you need to know. You need to know how much you need God's grace. You need to know how much you need God's love and forgiveness. There's nothing more difficult to deal with than kids who think they're perfect and they're smarter than you. How many parents know what I'm talking about? This is why we get ourselves into trouble. This is why we cannot properly interpret Scripture. This is why we don't understand our need for God and our need for Christ. It's because we really think that we're we're really pretty good and we got it all together. But the the fact of the matter is is that if I could follow you around 24-7 and record everything you say and everything you do, I, I can guarantee you that at the end of 24 hours, I could show you that you are very much in need of God's grace. We're all the same. And I would go on to say this. I don't believe that you can really have a strong relationship with another human being unless you understand your need of grace as much as that person needs grace. Because here's what I know as a human being. I know how, how many faults all of you have. And I'm less, I'm less likely and less inclined to admit that, I need, that I'm also guilty sometimes. We're, we're all in the same boat. The, the basis, then, of great and close relationships and a great marriage and a great relationship with your kids is not that you try to be perfect all the time or pretend that you're perfect or declare that you're perfect and that you never get it wrong. My kids and I have a great relationship because I'm going to be the first one to tell them I don't get it right all the time, and guys, I need you to forgive me. That's what my kids say. <laughs> my kids know 
that I don't get it right all the time. And I can, we can discuss that. And I can apologize to my kids. And so that when it comes time for them to apologize, it happens very naturally. Now listen to me. The basis of, of, of great relationships is that we all know how much we need God's grace. And I would say this, the deeper you want your relationship to go is dependent, completely dependent on how much each of you understands how much you need God's grace. Once you understand how much you need God's grace, then you understand how much you need God and you need his help and strength. So I have people say to me, you know, I'm really a pretty good person. I say, well, congratulations. <laughs> but that doesn't cut it with God. I don't do anything bad. I don't do anything wrong. I had that discussion with someone not that long ago. And they, were, they, you know, they really were trying to say, you know what, I, you know, I'm not quite getting this stuff. And uh, I said, well, do you understand that you're a sinner? Oh, I'm not a sinner. Said, really? <laughs> the other seven billion of us are. You're the only one that's not. You cannot understand God. You cannot understand the faith until you understand how much you need God's grace and that this grace comes from the heart of a loving father. I want to say how much I absolutely loved, loved that song that the band sang. I'm going to ask the band to come up right now because I want, to, I want us to close with that song, Amazing Grace. I hope that you'll never, uh, you'll never sing that song again without the understanding that this is all about God's love. So look, don't look at the newly engaged Adam. Look at me for a sec here. I want to close with a, with, a, with a very powerful story. It comes from Philip Yancey's book, What's So Amazing About Grace. He tells a story about a young girl who left her family. Her, she was sick and tired of her parents telling her what to do. And as kids so often do, uh, they think that they're smarter than their parents. And um, she ran away from home, left her parents. She left, uh, she left Terrence, Michigan, went, went down to uh, another part of the country that was highly populated. When she arrived, she didn't know who, where she would go, what she would do, who would meet her there. But she came across a fellow that seemed very nice. Nice big car, very nice clothes, and he immediately took her in, said, you look like you need a place to go. Yes, she did need a place to go. And uh, he introduced her to some of the, the people in his employment. And everybody called him boss, affectionately called him boss. And it wasn't long before this young girl was, was hooked on drugs and was selling her body to provide a living and to make the boss happy. She got sick one day and uh, was unable to, to work. And rather than this boss, who seemed so nice at first, rather than him taking care of her and, and nurturing her and comforting her, he kicked her out with nothing. She had no place to go. She didn't know anybody that could care for her, and she found herself sleeping on a warm air vent. She sat there, rocking back and forth, 
holding herself and suddenly remembered that she had people, she had parents and family that loved her back in her hometown in Michigan. She was no longer the, the proud and wise girl that she thought she was. She began to cry and she uttered a little prayer to the God of her childhood and she said, God, I'm sorry and I, I, don't, I don't want this anymore. I want to go home. She had a bit of change left in her pocket, enough to call her parents and actually enough for a bus ticket. She got on the phone and she called her parents. Her parents didn't answer. She called again and again and again, no answer, no answer. Finally, she just left the voicemail and said, Mom and Dad, it's me. I want to come home. I don't know if you can ever forgive me, but I'm really, really sorry for all that I've done. And if you could, and if you would, accept me back. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll work. I'll, I'll do whatever you need me to do. But if you want to accept me back, please, uh, please come to the bus station. And she gave the time that she'd be arriving. She got on that bus and prayed and prayed and said, God, please let my mom and dad be there. Please, I want to go home. I can't live like this anymore. I hate my life. I'm tired. I'm abused. I just, I just, I need to go home. She began to rehearse in her mind the speech that she would give to her parents. She wanted to tell her parents how sorry she was. She wanted to tell her parents that she had failed. She wanted to tell her parents that she would do whatever they wanted her to do. She had the whole elaborate speech all lined up and ready to go. The bus pulled into the terminal in her little town in Michigan and to her utter surprise and shock, there was a whole gang of her family and friends, some over 40 people, her grandparents, her aunts and uncles, her cousins, and even her great-grandmother. And on the back of the terminal was a sign, Welcome Home. And it's from the back of the room, her dad came cutting through the crowd when, she, when he saw his daughter, and he ran to her, threw his arms around her, and said, Welcome Home. She said, Dad, I'm so sorry. He, she, he began, she began the speech and she, he said, I don't want to hear about it. It's all over. That's the past. You're home and that's all that matters. And I love you. And you'll always be part of our family. You'll always be my baby, my daughter. I love you. You're home. And what's happened in the past is over. It's forgiven and it's forgotten. We'll never talk of it again. You belong to us, you belong to our family, you belong to me. Welcome home, baby. This, my friends, is what grace is. An uncondition, unconditional, infinite love for people who don't deserve it. And you gotta understand what this grace is, is if you're gonna understand Christianity and if you're gonna understand a relationship to God, if you're far from God, God's just waiting for you to come running back to his arms. 
If you're failing, if you've fallen off the wagon, if you've fallen short, if you're not where you need to be, don't stay away from God. Run back to him. He's waiting with arms open wide. He wants to embrace you. He wants to pour out his grace upon you. Let's stand together and sing, shall we?